believe Kevin Durant is what he is. Like, ever since he's left the Thunder, he's been, you know, said one ridiculous thing about the Thunder after another. And then now he's just, he's decided to come for the fan base, I guess. I don't, I don't know what his deal is, man. Uh, it's it's incredible the kind of echo chamber this guy lives in. Like, I wish his best friend Bill Simmons would have him on a podcast and just ask him simple questions like, do you think the fans would have reacted this way if you went to Boston or if you went to Washington? Like, just ask him simple and fair questions and see what this guy's answer is. Well, it's well to me, the bizarre the bizarre aspect of it is that he makes it there's a really strange thing he does in the interview where he first emphasizes the transactional nature of his relationship with the fans, which is that he worked for the team they supported. And so he doesn't understand why they should hate him. If all he did was change what team he worked for, you know, that, and you know, he just, you know, which is just like a career move simultaneously he lambasts you know he laments that um the love they had showed him was apparently not genuine and it's like no here's the fucking deal people are fans of players that play for their team when you leave that team people are not fans of you anymore that's how fucking sports work like i don't understand how a person who has played sports his entire life doesn't understand that that you can't tell me that Kevin Durant like when he was a kid if there was a player that was played for the Redskins or whatever and then decided no I don't want to be here anymore so I'm gonna leave you can't tell me he would think just as highly of them after they left like that's not a thing that fans do so yeah it's it's there's, I mean, there's so much of just, I don't understand, of just him saying, I don't understand why my decisions affected other people's opinions of me. Um, right. And he, um, and, and like, also in the interview, the interview talks about how, like, he and his mom were really disturbed by images of people, like, shooting his jersey with guns, which I understand. Like, yeah, obviously absolutely. that's too far. But um, it's... The, and the other aspect of this is it's really strange to like for him to be, for him to like look at the response to him coming back, which at the time he characterized by saying things like, oh, I thought they'd boo louder and be like, you know, that was really hurtful. And it's like, well, yeah, good. It was supposed to be. They were booing right. you. They were making fun of you. Um, yeah, it's I I mean, I don't know his his lack of just awareness is never ceases to baffle me like i just am always just surprised that that's how he is but and to talk about a front office that has done right by literally every other player like traded paul george exactly where he wanted to go got russell westbrook into a better situation gonna give nick fucking collison probably like the next gm job just because he played for this team forever like they've what you, they did nothing wrong to you. Yeah, and it's also like weird to say, like, clearly that organization, uh, just a bunch of two-faced snakes and liars, because they didn't have my back when I left them and ruined their plans. When, when you compare, like, <laughs> no, Kevin, you're the only player 
this organization has ever suggested anything but pretty much absolute loyalty to. It's like you and Reggie Jackson. Yeah, and like, what did the Thunder do wrong? Like, the Thunder didn't... Were yeah. they supposed to, like, tell the fans, hey, we still love Kevin Durant, like, don't boo him, we love him anyways, we know he left, but he's still always going to be a Thunder. What, like, yeah. is that what he was wanting? Because that's not... That, that that's just not really how like, it works. Yeah. This is this is like this is another one of those things where it's like obviously Kevin Durant had every right to make a decision in free agency as to where he plays, and that's good. You know, it's good generally that players are able to do that pretty much, period. At the same time, like I don't understand why this front office why would you possibly think this front office wouldn't be upset at you for screwing them over? Because you did screw them over. You cost them multiple rings potentially mm-hmm. you were you were going to be on the best team in the nba the next season regardless and you decided to make it a different team and not this one and like so yeah obviously the franchise isn't very happy with you when you make that decision because it cost them a lot of money for one thing um for no payoff um and now they're having to blow it up earlier than they would have yeah. liked to right um, yeah. No, should we talk also, about should we talk about football? Yeah. I also just want to briefly mention that bit where he says that his best friend in the NBA is Kyrie Irving. And how yeah. wild that is. He played on one two, I guess. Did Kitty play in the twenty sixteen Olympics? Yeah. Okay. He's played on like two Olympic teams with Kyrie Irving. Uh-huh. That's like the the only time he has ever played on the same team as Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Well, it's just really funny because like, I mean, those two oh, no, guys are one, a perfect match. He only played on one Olympic team, Kyrie. Kyrie was oh, not yeah. on the 2012 team. Oh no, 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 he was so not. He, he played one season, one round of Olympic basketball, which was one of the wackiest um, Olympic teams yeah. in history. Yeah, shouts to the uh, team today for losing right. to France. Right. Um, I I just want to so real quick. We really should, you know, owe you football. But <laughs> I can't think of a less relevant event than the FIBA World Cup. I didn't watch a single second of it, and basketball is my favorite sport. Right. Well, they. It's yeah. so poorly timed. It's just. It's weird. really poorly timed, and it's and it's now even more poorly timed right because like i mean every criticism of like you know we can criticize nba players for not like having the pride in their country to play in the FIBA world cup but that's really stupid um because if you're an nba star and your team makes the playoffs every year let's say and you decide that you want to play in the FIBA world cup that you are playing basketball from october of say well like this year's this year's 2019 so you're playing basketball from october of 2018 in the regular mm-hmm. season through the playoffs then you go to training camp for the world cup 2019 and then you go into training camp for the regular season of 2020 and then you have the playoffs in 2020 and then you have the olympics so you are talking about playing like essentially you're like you're signing up to play like three continuous years of basketball with no time for rehab. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 poorly timed and like 
I mean, the U.S. is honestly just used to winning it, so winning it again is not a big deal. Like, you know, right. France wins it, that's huge for them, so I respect it, but right. anyways... Oh, yeah. you just played, and a also that game. team is garbage. Also, that no. team is garbage. The USA oh, team is garbage. Oh, you just played a football game. <laughs> what if? What if this was oh. the the whole bit was that we just keep saying we're gonna talk about OU football, <laughs> and then we talk about how Serbia was robbed in the FIBA World Cup. Serbia was robbed. Um, the USA team was basically just the Celtics, which hey, didn't oh, go too you... well for the Celtics. Oh, you played a <laughs> football, football game. Yeah, this past against Saturday. South Dakota, the bad one. The bat, the coyotes. There are four. There are four football teams in the Dakotas, and they chose the Yotes. Um. So here we are. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about their what was it seventy to fourteen drubbing of the South Dakota Coyotes. Yeah. So first time in the Lincoln Riley era that OU scored seventy points. First time since 2007 that OU got to the 70-point mark, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, First time in program history, 10 different players scored touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it was truly, it just, they did what they needed to do. Um, They took care of business. They played, you know, reasonably well, and that was just the result of a decent performance. Um, My, I guess, I mean, I don't want to talk a lot about this, but... um, I want to address the idea and why I hate games like this so much. You know, obviously, I would. I was at the game it's because you I, had to watch Tanner Mordecai. Right. Well, I was at the game, and I had fun while I was at the game. I enjoyed watching most of the young players, uh, besides Tanner Mordecai, who, I mean, that dude, he like, he doesn't have it. I'm telling you guys, we watched that guy against a real team. He's going to look terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, he can make open throws to open receivers against South Dakota. And, you know, even one of those he put in the dirt. So, sorry, I'm not sold. Um, <laughs> that, was the, that was the first Tanner Mordecai play I saw. I was I spent most of the third quarter inside the stadium. Right. Um, and well, that, was, that was the first thing I saw. And I knew immediately that he had to get out. Well, he that was his first play, too. Well, that makes so, sense, then. Yeah, so that's a less interesting anecdote now. Yeah, um, yeah. So we got to see some Spencer Rattler. Obviously, you know, Jaden Hazelwood's probably going to be a superstar. Um, CD Lamb had an amazing game. It was super fun. All three freshman five stars scored, which right. that was awesome. Watch Theo Weiss's touchdown was like it was insane, disgusting. Like, it was yeah, God-like. and like it was against we, F- we... it was uh, it was against a, a bad FCS defense, but like he's still. 18 years old right yeah he's still a physical monster are we underestimating tanner mordecai's intangible ability to like instill that power into theo no i think he has some sort of like madden attribute that allowed theo to do that nope well he is tall and white i will not have anything nope like, seriously, the guy, there was just a noticeable difference between watching him and Spencer Rattler play. There just was. Yeah. Rattler um, is already better than Tanner Mordecai. I have I have always felt like Alex's take that Spencer Rattler could potentially win the starting job later in this season was a little spicy. I sort of felt where he was coming from basically as soon as I, like, literally Spencer's first play 
when like which wasn't even a successful play it was like a quick mm-hmm. out to theo weiss that went for no yards but like right wow can he well that that first throw to austin stogner on third down like he put it yeah. in the only place that it could be for it to be a catch yeah it was it was very impressive so um but back to my my deal about playing games like this in general um i hate the analysis that comes from games like this because none of it is quality analysis you know like they're really, well, yeah. because well, a there isn't quality analysis to be had from said game right yeah, like other the, than tanner mordecai is trash that's the only acceptable analysis from this game right well like bill Connolly rolled out fcs smp plus this uh basically last week just in time for me to apply it to this game and like per sp plus like ou was favored in this game by 50 like an entire game's worth of points were going to be the differential in this game like there's no meaningful outcome you know we were in garbage time by the end of the first half like you can't judge this like nothing no. can be learned yeah so obviously the the things that i'm hearing that are bothering me the most um and they they were kind of i don't know if legitimized by the way bill Biedenbow has talked this week but the take that has driven me the most crazy is the idea that ou has a left side of the offensive line problem and first of all i'll just say that you know marquis hayes didn't play in this game he's the starting left guard he looked great against houston i don't think i nothing i've seen has made me think he's going to be out long term you know he might miss this weekend but i don't even think he will um probably back this weekend and so first of all there's your left guard taken care of no problem there now left tackle eh i mean eric swenson i'm not entirely sure he is healthy because there are literally times in the game you could see he was like reaching for his arm and the rumor is that he's got a torn rotator cuff on his left shoulder um so maybe there's something there but the idea of OU just straight up having a left side of the offensive line problem is just it's premature and it's just I don't think it's accurate at this point um we just don't have enough information to even know if that's the case yeah no I agree um and also like it's a young line it's not gonna get worse as they gain more experience no. Well, and like, I mean, Bill Biedenboe came out today or yesterday, I think, and was super pissed. You could tell he wasn't happy with how they played. Right. Um, but let's go look at their numbers real quick. They averaged eight yards a carry. <laughs> and Jalen Hurts was sacked, I think, twice. And one of them was because he it was a bad snap. Like, this was a good performance on the offensive line. Really, no matter how you slice it, it just was. Now, it could have been better. Bill Biedenboe obviously thinks it should have been better. And that's a good thing. You want that to be the case. I think another reason why he's coming out so strongly about this is because they're about to play a team that it might be hard to get motivated to play. So if you make everyone on that offensive line think, yeah, if you play like that again, you're losing your job, they're probably more likely to have a better performance this next week. Right. And like basically the only positive thing you can say about UCLA is that they're like big and strong on the defensive line. 
Yeah, that's their best unit by far. Their defensive line, like, yeah, the offensive line has to play better against UCLA, sure. But that was going to be the case regardless. Like, they have to get better every week. That's just how it is. And the idea that, A, you would think, because to me, if you call it a problem, that to me means that, well, you don't think it's going to get a lot better. And I just don't see how you could watch the history of this offensive line and think, yeah, they're going to have this issue all year. And we first saw it against South Dakota. Like, no, nah, that's not not a thing. And right. like we had four penalties on the offensive line, um, four holding penalties. And to me, I mean, I've played football very I mean, I played in like middle school just to kind of out myself about my football career. Um I think the the time when you're probably the most likely to get holding penalties is in when you're not fully in, you know, not fully engaged in what's going on. And so you just kind of, instead of just relying on your technique and everything, you just kind of reach out and grab a guy because it just takes less energy to do that than to do the proper technique. Um, And I think that that's just what happened. It happened four times. It probably won't ever happened four times and a half again so like i'm not again i'm not worried about it we have the best offensive line coach in the country he's mad he's gonna make them play better i'm i have zero concerns about the offensive line also if you told me bill biedenboe gets a whole week of like having a legitimate excuse to just rip people's ass all week like i'm i'm fine with that like if he if they come out and destroy south dakota like they should then, you know, he's trying to yell at them and motivate them in practice, whatever. And, like, it's just hollow because, like, I mean, you have nothing to go off of. You can't say, like, you can't embarrass them and challenge them to get better because they got beat by South Dakota a handful of times. But now you can't. And it's like you can force guys to improve off of that. And, like, it's just one, you weren't going to get much, you know, physical development off South Dakota anyways. Now you can, you know use that as a motivational thing and it actually means something. Yeah. Right. And like, so uh, or go ahead. I was like, one of like, there were points in the game where like South Dakota got pressure up the middle and like, am I worried about Creed Humphrey? No. So like clearly something else is going on. Well, Creed Humphrey didn't even play that much. He didn't even play the whole half. He played, they took yeah. him out in the second quarter. So it's right. like, there's no problem there. There's none. Now, if he gets hurt, yeah, we might be screwed, but yeah. Right. Teams and like struggle with injuries. It happens. Right. Here's, um, here are some stats. Uh, we're only two weeks in, so it's a relatively limited sample size, but, uh, Oklahoma right now is fifth in the nation in opportunity rate on the offensive line with 65.5% opportunity rate, which is, um, defined by football outsiders as the percentage of carries when four yards are available that gain at least four yards as in the percentage of carries in which the line does its job so to speak so that's fifth in the nation behind only georgia ucf virginia and air force um which yeah no this is a good offensive line how many sacks have we given up on standard downs does anybody have i really don't know we've we've given up two sacks this season so i i don't remember the answer is zero we have not given up a stack on a standard down this this um line is averaging 2.96 
line yards per standard down. They are averaging 5.23 line yards per passing down. Those are really good numbers. This is a really good offensive line already. It will continue to get better as they gain more experience. Yeah, and what I will say is that, I mean, I'm not saying that the offensive line is perfect. That That's obviously not the case. I Ideally, Eric Swenson would be healthy. He wouldn't have torn rotator cuff in his left shoulder. And I think that left tackle spot would look better. Um, but we still have a lot of time because, really, we're not going to be tested until we play Texas, if we're being honest. Like, UCLA will be a, a step up in competition just on the defensive line and that front seven from a talent standpoint. But in all honesty, like, we're probably going to be fine. Um, obviously, Texas Tech isn't going to uh, give us any problems. Kansas, uh, yeah, have you guys watched them this year? Uh, I not actually be did. I watched them against Indiana State. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that, and I also, I mean, I just, they scored seven. I mean, this isn't defense, but... They lost to Coastal Carolina and scored seven points against them. Like, that's a bad football team, and Les Miles is probably going to run them even further into the ground than what they were already doing, which right. is pretty unfortunate. It's but really funny. It is um, very funny. Um, but that's kind of what you get. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll even really know all that much about – I mean, the offensive line will keep playing well, I'm sure – and it might struggle against Texas because that'll be a, the true test in terms of defensive talent. And also, Todd Orlando is just very creative with his blitzing. Like, he just sends really exotic blitzes, and they're they're tough to handle at times. But, again, like, we don't have enough information, honestly, to judge if this offensive line is just amazing and perfect or if it has a problem. I don't think – yeah, we just don't have enough information. So – that's my problem with all the analysis about the, you know, the left side of the offensive line problem. Uh, the next thing that's been bugging me is about Jalen Hurts. Um, I think we can all agree that he's pretty much exceeded our expectations. He's pretty much done what he could do, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, so the take that I've seen is that Jalen Hurts is going to have to be a lot more dynamic on the downfield passing game and just be more accurate downfield. And I guess my take is if we are relying on him to be really, really good down the field, we are not going to be successful this year because that is not who he is as a football player. And right. if and your also- hopes for this season were – you know, dependent on him being able to do that, then I'm sorry, you were wrong. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, this is already the best nation, this best offense in the country per SP plus um, surprising no one. Um, and years and years and years, this team has been really good down and by years and years and years i mean like the past four years uh this team has been really good with big explosive plays down the field uh this team is still good at that by the way um it's you know but just like in previous years the actual strength of this team is that if they want to they can basically sit on the ball forever because there's not a ton you can do to stop them from getting a first down at will right um 
And this is the thing that Jalen Hurts is amazing at in this offense already. And, like, it's so strange to to see people say that he needs to be more, like, dynamic down the field. Because what I saw in the South Dakota game was the dude was taking shots. The dude was trusting CD to go up and get some balls. And it didn't work out necessarily yeah. all the time. But it did work out a few times. Uh, there was, I mean, he had a beautiful, like, intermediate to long pass on a rollout with great touch on it. It got pulled back for, uh, like, a holding penalty. This was, like, on the first or second drive. Um and yeah, like he's got it, um, and he's got him as much as we need it. You know, if there are situations right. in which we are having to throw deep down the field to win football games, then I don't know. This team isn't. This team failed somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and my my thing is, you know, I was actually this kind of really this. What made me really think of this was I was watching Kyler play his first NFL game. Um, the other day and Kyler is very willing, especially on first and second down to just kind of bomb it deep. And he did that fairly regularly and that left us in some, you know, some second long, third long situations. And my biggest thing with Jalen, not, I don't really want him to take those shots because I think this offense is going to need to be in a situation where we gain like positive yards on every play, essentially, you know, like I I'm totally down with him taking those short, you know, passes or even running for four yards when it's available. Because I think as long as we stay ahead of the chains and don't get behind schedule, yeah, we are going to be impossible to get off the field. Like it's just, you know, we are too efficient and we have too much, playmaking ability and guys that are just really good. I mean, think about how good Nick Basquin has been in his career at just keeping drives alive on third down. Grant Calcaterra is great at that. CD lamb is great at that. We have so many guys that really maybe their best skill is like their possession ability at receivers. So like, I don't know. I think that it's going to be more important for us to just, not try to put Jalen Hurts in a position where he has to be super accurate down the field because the dude's been playing football for a long time and he started at Alabama for two years and he was never very good at that specific skill. And I think the odds of him becoming just all of a sudden a dynamic passer down the field is not, they're not great. And with Kyler, It's like, yeah, it was okay for him to take chances down the field on first and second down because he was probably going to get it on third down because he was Kyler freaking Murray. That's not Jalen Hurts. Like, he's not Kyler Murray. He's not Baker Mayfield. So, like, I don't even really care that he might not be as willing to throw the ball down the field as those other guys. Yeah, I think OU fans have just been spoiled with four years of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and expect that. But, like, the the take that I hear – the good take that I hear on a lot of, you know, more intelligent podcasts, I think, is that people are saying, you know, this what Jalen has been doing is exactly what he was at Alabama, and Lincoln is just maximizing that. Like, he hasn't transformed him into some guy like, where did this come from? Like, this is exactly what he did, and Lincoln is just putting him in the best positions to do what he's good at. And if you think for a second, like, Lincoln is not going to, you know, just – have Jalen keep hitting these wide open intermediate routes before he bangs one over the top. Like he can, he might not have the most accurate deep ball like Baker or Kyler, but if you can lull 
the back end of the secondary to sleep with all those intermediate throws and then just, you know, send Charleston Rambo straight down the field. Like, he will be wide open, and Jalen Hurts can hit that wide open guy. Right. And this is, there's, yeah, well, in a real sense, you're going to see the pressure on the secondary, particularly, like, the uh, safeties in games against OU generate in the opposite direction, um, which is that for the past, like, three years, um, like, the really the reason OU's offense has been so insane is the combination of being able to run a bone-crushing uh, counter-trace-based uh, run game and pair that with, like, the ability to blow the top off of every defense in the country with D.D. Westbrook or Marquise Brown. And, like, Charles Rambo is fast, but he's not, like, Marquise Brown fast. Um, and so, like, that's just another that's another aspect where you have to adapt to personnel. Um, and the rally will become, like, now instead of having, like, safeties forced to stay back, um, and so you can crush people with the run game, like, you crush them with the run game, so the safeties are forced to come up. Um, it's I mean, it's the same pendulum. You're just swinging it from, a diff- from the other end this time. Yeah. Yeah, and like, the, I mean, Lincoln is just, he's smart enough to figure all of this out, and he has clearly come up with a really good plan, you know, this year, you know, so far. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't expect Jalen Hurts to become this dynamic passer. Like, it's just not in his DNA. But I think, you know, in big games, like, we didn't see it as much against South Dakota because why would you like we're gonna run him more than we've probably ever run any quarterback we've had we're gonna run him more right. than we had kyler because it is something that he needs that is one of his yeah. best attributes like and we're gonna and we're gonna run him in a style that we haven't seen since we had blake bell here and it, except it's right because he's good and not bad um <laughs> sorry yeah blake. well yeah he, uh, but he no is, we're gonna run quarterbacks between the tackles and yeah and he is really very much ever done yeah, he's very much able to to not just do that, but he can break it outside and he glides down the field, um, you know, with his long strides. So like, I'm I'm totally fine with what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. Like, if he could just keep doing what he's doing, and I mean, it's not going to look as clean against every opponent, but like, just don't make mistakes. Keep us ahead of schedule or on schedule, and I think the offense is going to be fine. And I think that we're going to discover that hey. Yeah, we have enough talent and Lincoln Riley is good enough that he can devise an offense to succeed at the highest level in the country, even if we don't have that ridiculous downfield passing game. So that's really all. My my suspicion is that if he continues to lead the country in both passer efficiency and uh, yard rushing yards among quarterbacks, the offense is probably going to be fine. Like, it's probably going to be really good. And, yeah. I, I, I'm confident in saying it will never not be number one in SP Plus. Wow. That's impressive. That's, that a, is, that's a take. That's pretty bold. Well, right? and, like, if you think about it, we might have a good opportunity to get a pretty good cushion, you know, with these first five opponents. So that, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense. We have a pretty big cushion right now as it is. Right, it's, and also number number two and three this, in offense are LSU and Mississippi State. Like you don't think those two are going to have some regression? You don't think Joe Burrow yeah. is going to fall back a little bit? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Can we can we take a moment to laugh at Texas a little bit? Yes. And yeah. Um, 
laugh at them getting lit the fuck up by Joseph Burrow. Um, <laughs> now, I will say that Joe Burrow is obviously better than I thought he was coming into the year. And the offensive change that they have made is clearly helping him out a lot. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow is probably, he probably deserves to be the Heisman front runner at this very moment. Um, there's no way in hell he's going to be in New York at the end of the year. It's just not going to happen. Um, I think he's fine. Like he had a great game. Like there's no doubt about it. I think that you saw the, you know, the youth and the Texas defense. Like obviously that was one of the big things we talked about was they lost nine starters on defense. And yeah, you could tell that was a young defense that got lit up by an offense that is, you know, operating at a pretty high level right now. But I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that that will be, you know, a thing moving forward, or at least on that level. Like, I mean, we got people thinking, oh, they're a playoff team now. Yeah, probably need to slow down a little bit. Right. I mean, on that one. Again, they are in the conference that has Alabama and Georgia in it. So. Right. Yeah. And there's not going to be three goddamn teams from that conference make it. So um, I say that and then it'll happen. So, um, yeah, I don't my my deal with Texas is every time I watch them, I just get mad and like shouts to OU for like getting some legit Wi-Fi in the stadium because I was able to stream the game pretty much all the way through. Um, There were some times when the Wi-Fi wasn't as good, but overall it was pretty solid. Um, but watching Texas infuriates me because their offense is so elementary, you know, it's I, just, yeah, it's, there's, I mean, so much of it is just, uh, Hey Sam, go do something. Yeah. I, well, do, and I hope, I hope David Duvernay's really good on this play because we need him to be. Yeah. It's like, Hey Sam, we're going to call a bubble screen to this good athlete we have. And then, Oh, we're in third and long. We're just going to chunk it deep. And hopefully we can draw a pass interference or one of our big-ass receivers can go up and get the ball. Yeah. And Hot take. This was also what Ohio State's offense was for the past, like, three years, and it bugged the shit out of me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is a thing. And, like, I know this is me being, like, an offensive elitist because I watch the best we offense, watch the best offense in, in the world. Yeah. yeah. Every, you know, for the last four years. But um, it just sucks to watch. I hate watching a team that I hate be successful doing these elementary things and watch watching Sam Ellinger put up great stats against LSU who with every player on their team cramping up and like almost dying. Um, So yeah, it just, it frustrates me and I will, I still refuse to give Sam Ellinger the props that he probably, he might deserve some of them at this point. Like he did play well. Like I can't deny that fact, but Again, it's so such a boring way to play to me. So it just, I don't know. I have trouble giving yeah. him credit. Um, and Sam Ellinger is will... just short Josh Allen. Right, can I say right. that? Sure. You can say whatever you want. Um, I will Cage say. Oh, God. Yeah, I know, right? You did a Michael Cage. Um, that t- offensive scheme is possibly a really bad matchup for OU defensively. Um, because, you know, our personnel in the secondary specifically is not really equipped to probably handle Colin Johnson and, uh, Brennan Eagles on the outside. So 
I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not concerned about Texas because their offense is elementary. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't like it, and I it yeah. annoys me it's that they are because good because yeah. of it. It's high school in a way that like is like like I can leverage that as a genuine critique against it. I feel like as opposed to a lot of offenses that get called high school, and really it's like, well, you're just like not recognizing like the value in these concepts. But like. It's literally just about like, all right, we're going to spread them out and hope that we are individually better than them. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's all they are. And like, that's the deal. They might actually be individually better than every player they go up against on our defense on the back end, especially. So, I mean, it's a concern. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be nervous as hell when we play Texas this year, but I'm still going to shit on Sam Ellinger for being overrated because what he does is just simply not that hard to do. I, it just, yeah. Well, it's Sorry. like Ian Boyd. God, I can't believe we're talking yes. about this podcast. I think we need to replace, because um, since we've kind of moved past Mike Stoops, we right, maybe need tough. to replace our Mike Stoops hate segment with right. an Ian Boyd right. segment. He wrote a book, which I'm actually halfway interested in reading, even though it's like probably going to suck. Um, it's an intru- this is the frustrating thing with Ian Boyd is that I think he actually does know quite a bit about football. Um, and yet he is such a massive Texas homer that yeah. it's like impossible to get around. And now that Texas is like, okay, it's just all he talks about. Um, and so like against LSU, he was like blown away by like Texas's use of empty sets. And it's yeah. like, this isn't, like, advanced stuff. This is, like, rudimentary high school offense. This is, yeah. our quarterback is the best athlete on the field. And we're so we're, we're just going to say, cover five guys um, and spy on us. And now you're at a numbers disadvantage. And yep. we hope it's enough. That's, that is what running, in, like, empty sets. I hate empty sets. Can I say that? Yeah. I hate empty sets. I did the Michael Cage thing again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hate <laughs> empty sets. Um, and I, it, they're just, I don't know. I think they're really basic. I think that good defenses can really take advantage of teams that line up in empty sets. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're a total crutch um, that rely entirely on like being able to get the ball out quick to an athlete. Right. Yeah. And like, they're not easy to play against because they have good players, but it's just, it's frustrating to me that they are, you know, I don't know. I feel like they're getting too much credit and love for what they're doing. So, um, anyway, so let's move past Texas. They lost, uh, can't relate to not being undefeated right now. Um, I will be, I am legitimately interested in that a couple weeks when OSU goes down there because I think we'll learn a lot about both teams. Right. And I'm not entirely convinced that OSU is any good. And I know that I picked them to go to finish second in the conference this year. I do think Chuba Hubbard is good. I think Chuba's probably pretty good. I don't know about Spencer Sanders. And it's, we'll we'll have to see. Um, Okay. So OU plays a football game this weekend. We've talked about it a little bit. Um, And I guess I'm just going to start this by saying I am low-key very concerned about this game. (laughs) And uh, usually I feel like I'm pretty 
pretty optimistic in general. And like, I, I don't know. Usually I feel like I'm pretty confident going into games, but I don't know what it is. But to me, I look at what UCLA is in the situation they're in. And this is like their last chance probably on this season to save the season. So usually either we find out that a team has already given up and they just are terrible or we get their last best shot um, and the game turns into a, a really close game that it shouldn't be. So that's what I'm concerned about seeing. I think about that, uh, the Baylor game from 2017 when we almost went down there and lost because we played like crap and that they were in a similar situation um, to kind of UCLA. I mean, it was a little different because Matt rule was, seems like a genuinely likable guy and chip Kelly seems like the furthest thing from that. So, I mean, I think that, right. I don't know. I will. Yeah. I'll, my best, I think the best way I can possibly like dissuade that fear is to just say the sentence or just the, the phrase Chip Kelly, leader of men. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, there was there was, you know, the rumor earlier in the season that or I think in the off season that it was like an anonymous quote from one of the players on the team. And they were just like, yeah, we all hate him. Um, so I don't know, maybe that, if that's the case, then yeah, I don't expect much, but I don't know. I mean, Chip Kelly, you know, he's still a pretty big name coach and like, he's going to have to do something eventually. And it would be very OU of us to go in there and give them a chance to do that. So that, that is where my concern concern stems from. Yeah, I understand, and also the added element of having a running quarterback that we seem to always struggle with is there too, but I think it might be kind of a gambler's fallacy thing on your end being concerned. Like, you're probably thinking, you know, LSU has been just a train, or not LSU, UCLA has been just a train wreck to start the year. They shouldn't be 0-2 right now. Like, they, they, or I guess they can't be. They should be. They should have lost both those games and did. It's like they can't be 0-2 right now. They can't, you know, lose by more than 23 at home, no matter who it's to. And, like, you think surely they can't do that. But that team's just an absolute mess. And I think they, the train has already wrecked. I don't think there's any salvaging for them to do. And I think we just blow them out. Yeah. Here, do you guys know where Dorian Thompson-Robinson ranks uh, in quarterback rating? Uh, among this is ESPN's quarterback rating. Cannot be great. FBS quarterbacks. I'm gonna guess in the hundreds. Let's go one one twelve. Um, Alex, I'll go ninety ninth with a quarterback rating of twenty one point eight. Not good. He that is a hundred and twenty first. Whew. That was too generous. Right. He has three hundred fifty five passing yards on the season. With three touchdowns and two picks, it's not Oof. good. Last time I checked, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Um, yeah. So like, I, if we we corral Derek King, no problem. Like, DTR is not Derek King, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not particularly worried about. It. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of it might be that I just I don't know how good. Um, 
Houston is. I would. I'm interested. They play Washington State this Friday, and if they were to win that game, that would be really interesting. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm underrating OU at right. this point. Um, here's another. Uh, here's another fun stat about Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, obviously, he's a dual threat guy, athletic. How many rushing yards does he have on the season? Um, uh, minus seven. Yeah, I think their offensive line's been bad. I'll say like 40. He has, well, you should have thrown a big old minus sign in front of that one. Oh. He has negative 39 rushing yards. Good God. Ooh. And like, obviously, that's because sacks are counted as rushing attempts per college rules. Uh, but yeah, no, the, their offensive line is garbage. And like, he's athletic, but I don't think it matters. I think that this is a really bad team. Yeah. They they are currently 103rd in offensive S&P Plus and 43rd in defensive S&P Plus, which, like, the second-ranked defense doesn't scare me. The 43rd-ranked defense definitely doesn't. And I feel like that ranking is still too heavily favoring Bill Conley's preseason stuff because they gave up 30 points to San Diego State, who in their opener scored six points against Weber State. And is currently ranked, let's see if I can pull this up, 126th in offensive S&P Plus. And they gave up 30 points to San Diego State. Right. So I, the fact if that, we like, don't hang 60 on them, it's a travesty. Right. They're, um, yeah. San Diego State, by the way, is uh, currently number one in defensive S&P Plus. Right. Um, which to me is UCLA's offense still being overrated by the preseason projections. Yeah. Because, like, they did, now they held they held uh, Weber State to, you know, they shut Weber State out, sure, uh, in a game that they scored six points in. God, San Diego State football is awful. Um, but yeah, so I am really not, I'm not buying this team at all. Can I, um, can I make a quick correction, real quick? Sure. Was, uh, San Diego State only score? scored. Yeah, yeah. they only scored twenty three. 23 so, and 23-14. For some reason, I thought was, someone had a score of 30-24 to 24 that I'm thinking of. Sam's an idiot, y'all. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm going to find this. I'm going to scroll through all FBS games from last week and find out who was 30-24, to 24, and that's right. going to be the one I was thinking of. Right. So, and there, there are – here is – I'm just amazed by Dorian Thompson-Robinson's stats, and I feel almost bad at this point. He – Completed 24 of 35 attempted passes in the game against San Diego State. Wow. That was for 199 yards. Yeah. He threw the ball 35 times and came away with less than 200 yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's not very good. The offense is not functioning at really any kind of level right now. Um, which, I mean, that to me is is all the more reason that i'm just i'm just a little concerned like because i and it really is honestly fear from you know past yeah experience I, I because I definitely i've understand. i've literally last year we saw two great defensive performances and then we saw a shit show in Ames. and i know that ucla is not near as good as iowa state was last year um but i'm just terrified of like just being exposed and it doesn't even have to be like a major thing like it you know them putting up like 24 points to me would be bad to see so um 
I'm a little concerned um, in that way. Uh, so I don't know. I and I just I have small concerns, and I know we haven't lost a game on the road in like five years, uh, which is still insane. But uh, um, I don't know. Just yeah. concerns, and just a yeah, little bit. I, I sort of under I I get the concerns because I mean, you look at their. Um, like their recruiting rankings, they've been top twenty-five the past four years. You know, UCLA. Uh, yeah. Well, they are okay. They are on a the downward thing. trend. Here's the thing about UCLA that is hilarious, and it, it right. is it's, what I I because there not are still about national people. Bits, let's be clear. Right, oh wait, right, no, right. twenty nineteen. Well, there are never mind. Jeez. Okay, there there's still national people that are like think that Chip Kelly's going to get it turned around. And they're like, oh, he's, you know, his scheme's so great or whatever. My deal is, like, the dude hates recruiting. He's not recruiting well at all. And he needs good players to you to operate his system. He's not going to have good players because he's not recruiting. I think, I think they're on a downward spiral. But I think they might have one last gasp effort this week against number five OU to try to save their season while they still have some, some talent, at least, you know, up front defensively. And there's some skill guys that you have to be a little concerned about. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a completely irrational fear. Um, but man, uh, in case you guys were wondering about the sort of downward spiral we're talking about, uh, 26, like 2015, they were 12th. This is according to 24-7 because they came out first. I know we prefer rivals here on this podcast. 13th in 2016, uh, 20th in 2017, uh, 19th in 2018. Chip Kelly gets there. Last year, they were 40th. So far this year, they are 67th. Yeah, like, it's it's not going well. I'm pretty and sure like, they're like the only team that has fallen out of Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio. Right. Like everybody else that has... Eclipsed that fifty percent mark has stayed up there except for UCLA, right? Oh man, he can still he can still pull, pull <laughs> quarterbacks out of New Hampshire though. Gotta love that. Um, well, let's just say like I'm on Rivals now. Right. In the 2019 class, they had him 44th, right? And they signed nine two-star players. Like yeah. that's insane. This is UCLA. Like if you right. can just recruit Los Angeles. You should be able to pull a good yeah, class. That's the thing is they weren't good before. Like they were like in 2017, UCLA wasn't good. 2016, like these were the these were like the Josh Rosen teams that like uh, mm-hmm. completely consistently disappointed. Um, right. And I remember being consistently irritated that OU was losing recruits to UCLA. It was happening right. regularly. Right, but um, yeah, like they're. It's, so it's not like they were relying on their incredible success to get these guys. It's easy to recruit to UCLA. Yeah. Um, and until suddenly they stopped caring about it. So yeah. Chip Kelly is not going to work there. And it, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried that Chip Kelly is going to become like the Mike Stoops of offense. Yeah, it's, Yeah. I think he's done. I think right. he's cooked. He's like, like I don't. He's just gonna be like he's just gonna be like an asshole who was like a visionary at one point in his field, and then basically never tried anything new. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't. Yeah, and he's also yeah. He's a dick. He's a dickhead. Right. So like that. Yeah, that works. 
Um, okay. Do we want to go ahead and like, you know, let's talk about some guys that were, you want to do some impact players? First let's, off, I have to regretfully inform you that UCLA has had no games in the past year that were ranked, that were a final score of 30 to 24. Neither has San Diego State. There wasn't a single game in the FBS in week one or two that was 30 to 24. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh my I'm going to retire from the podcast. Uh, yeah, honestly, we should kick Sam off the podcast. I'm this really is, now, uh, I'm the, really now concerned that this game will end 30 to 24. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what I'm right. thinking of. See, Ryan's on to something. I think right. there is a definite correlation to like download numbers when Nathan's on the podcast versus when I'm on the podcast. <laughs> I don't, don't want to know what that statistic is, so we'll keep that under wraps. Yeah, I that feels like work. I'm not going to figure that out. Um. But yeah, so let's talk impact players. Uh, sure. Uh, let's let's start with offense. Offense. Um, I. This is gonna be this is gonna be kind of a trendy pick. I feel. Uh, I think Jaden Hazelwood is going to be really fun in this game because he is going to provide a short yardage game to the outside, which is going to be important against this line. Right. Yeah, I one one of the things that I have, you know, li, you know, listening to you know some analysis of UCLA, like the one thing I think they've done well this year is kind of defend the run on between the tackles. So a way to kind of combat that might just be, hey, we're going to do an end around to Jaden Hazelwood, or we're going to throw a screen to Jaden Hazelwood, and he's going to make a play on the outside. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I can yeah. absolutely I also, see that. Yeah, and this is also my way to backdoor us into talking about how like legit, like the new like hill I am going to die on is Jaden Hazelwood, legitimate third down running back option. That's interesting. I mean, I we won't see it because we have too much talent at running back to right. take one of those guys out. Um, I do think, like, we have, you know, the last couple of years done some stuff with, you know, Marquise Brown in the backfield. Even, you know, you'd see Miles Tease back there. You know, I think that putting a, an actual threat, I mean, not that Marquise Brown wasn't a threat, but, you know, putting a guy like Jaden Hazelwood, who's probably a more a more powerful threat, in the backfield is really interesting to me. Um, I don't think it's anything you'll ever see consistently on third down, but I, I don't right. I don't think that's a stupid idea by any means. Yeah. I think you could like, probably play about any position. I, I honestly think that we're going to see Jaden Hazelwood used in a lot of ways that like Ohio State used JT Barrett um, when he switched positions. What did are you talking about Braxton Miller? Yeah, Braxton Miller. Yeah, I was like, yeah, JT Barrett didn't switch positions. No, you're talking about Terrell Pryor. Uh, (laughs) No, wait, we're talking about Troy Smith. Completely interchangeable. Okay, are we we being racist right now? Is that what's happening? No, it's just like Terrell Pryor (laughs) also was a quarterback turned into wide receiver. What's uh, what's 12 gauge up to these days? He just got cut. By the uh, Chargers for the for North Dakota State's Easton Stick. Ugh, right. I hate that. Yeah. Well, shame. I don't know if he's on a roster now or if he's just chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he what? Talk about a fun college player though. Like just his tweets. That was. Oh, yeah. That was. Oh yeah. Yeah. His best yeah the attribute. fact that his first two starts ended with confetti. That was really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, so Jaden Hazelwood, Sam, do you have a guy? I want to say Ramondre Stevenson, just because, um, I mean, obviously our backfield's loaded. We haven't got much of a look at him yet because it was, you know, garbage time against Houston and mostly in garbage time against uh, South Dakota. But I think, one, the more he plays means the bigger of a blowout it is. And two, like, in the limited work he's gotten, I think he's ran pretty well. And I'm just, you know, always curious to see what we have going back there and, you know, just how many guys we can make feasible back there. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with Grant Calcaterra because he has yet to have a big game so far. Um, What I will say, though, is that, like, I almost feel like our offense is at a point where, you know, you look at guys like Grant Calcaterra, they didn't have big games. But I always think about there's probably a reason why. And, you know, it's probably mostly just a matchup thing. So you just we just have to wait for the matchup that Grant Calcaterra is just. Right. A problem for the other team. You know, a team will decide, okay, we're going to take away C.D. Lamb and Charleston Rambo. Like, we're going to use everything we have to take that away, and then Grant Calcaterra is going to have a huge game. Um, and so I'm just waiting on that. So I think that's going to be something I'm looking for, because it will happen at some point, I'm sure. Um, I'm just looking for that to maybe happen this weekend. Right. I, I really feel like Grant Calcaterra will, like, continue to establish himself as the run game establishes itself um yeah because like as teams realize like oh man it is oh it is hard to leave a nickel on the field against that those packages uh yeah, that's well, when, and like he can really exploit matchups it'd be interesting to see if at any point you know because we're playing a lot of Braden willis and jeremiah hall which i love i think it's oh, yeah. awesome it'll be interesting to see if we start you know, seeing Grant Calcaterra in one of those guys, or if we get really crazy and go with all three, like I would be interested to see what a pat. Yeah, of course. Um, And I mean, that's probably something you save for a big game, probably not UCLA, but uh, yeah, let's just see how many big body guys we can get on the field this year. Um, So do we want to go, do we want to give another offensive guy or do you guys want to go to defense? Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like we should go to defense. Here's where I'm at with offensive impact players. Um, Every single one of them feels like kind of a poser pick. Yeah. It's (laughs) like like you could, you can pick literally anybody and it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a good pick. You know, I don't, I don't think our third string running back is going to make the biggest effort in the game, but right. I'm I'm genuinely curious. It's a completely, it's a, good pick because like he just had 100 yards in a game and it'd be interesting to see if he can break off another long run like yeah yeah i mean i've i've been impressed with Ramondre stevenson he's faster than i thought he was so yeah i'm excited by him um defense i guess one thing we didn't really talk a lot about defense but i think it's reasonable to expect our front to do well in this game because their offensive line has struggled so much and if there's one thing I can say about our defense, it's that our defensive front is super athletic. And I think that they're probably going to have, you know, the green light to get after Dorian Thompson Robinson as much as possible on Saturday. I agree. Um, I also, um, talking about defensive impact players, my first pick is actually going to be Deshaun White. 
who on back-to-back plays on Saturday made that South Dakota quarterback whose name I didn't bother to learn and never will. Uh, absolutely miserable. Um, and I really think that given the quality of the offensive line play they're going at, like Grinch likes to be aggressive anyways. Um, and I really think that they can overwhelm them. And I think uh, Deshaun White is going to, I don't know, maybe get some tackles for a loss out of it. Okay, like uh, Sam? I, yeah, I, I would say Neville Gallimore, but that's who I said on the last podcast I did before the Houston game, so I'll avoid that and go with the other insanely obvious pick and say Kenneth Murray, because um, I wasn't on the Houston, post-Houston podcast to talk about him a bit, and I'm just interested to see you know another dynamic quarterback we're facing, see how we rolled him up on third down uh, occasionally against Houston, um, had him spying Derek King, chasing down Derek King a handful of times. And so I'm like, you know, just interested to see, again, what kind of action we bring at a supposedly, you know, dynamic quarterback and see how Kenneth Murray factors into that. Sure. Um, so I'm going to go with the defensive front guy. And we should – somebody should have mentioned the secondary guy, but I'm not going to do it because I don't know. I, I I really just don't I doubt Dorian Thompson Robinson's ability to get the ball into the secondary. Okay. Um so I'm gonna go with Ronnie Perkins because he had a great first game. He was super active in that first game against Houston and looked amazing. He was quieter against South Dakota, and I don't know like I don't really know the reason why that is. Like he just didn't have quite the same caliber of disruptive game against South Dakota. He also, I mean, he got fewer opportunities obviously too. Um, so I want to see if he can kind of bounce back and maybe establish himself as like a, yeah, he's going to be a problem every single game he's out there because he has that ability. Um, I, I just think it's time for him to actually do it, you know? Yeah, I agree. And in regards to the secondary, how we didn't pick any of them, like Ryan said, not, worried about DTR at all. Um, I think Derek King's a significantly better thrower than him. And I, I think it was a lot due to, you know, the, what Grinch was cooking up coming at him, not necessarily the coverage, but he was missing a lot of throws. Like I said, I think due to pressure. And so I'm not worried about Dorian Thompson Robinson hitting really anybody. Like if he, if he loads up and it looks like he's going to throw the ball more than 20 yards, I'm already going to assume it's hitting the ground. Right. Well, yeah. I will say this in terms of this. I guess the one, like the reason to be concerned about the secondary is that I do think that when challenged, they will have to tackle well, which like yeah, that that's kind of scary. Uh, and specifically, the thing I look at is there was clearly an adjustment made um, by Chip Kelly between the Cincinnati and the San Diego State game uh, because. And part of this is just because, wow, they were terrible against Cincinnati. Uh, but they're also very bad against San Diego State, it's important to remember. <laughs> um, is that he was only 8 for 26 in the game against Cincinnati um, yeah. for 156 yards. And like I said before, 24 of 35 for 199 yards. That's short passes. That's easy completions and hoping yeah. that things could go downfield. And San Diego State just let them do it, essentially, and then, you know, ended the play. Right. Um, we're going to need to be able to do that. Um, and that's going to be what 
that's going to be the challenge of the secondary. It's not going to be about winning one-on-one duels down the sideline. It's about, like, they're going to throw quick screens. Can we, like, A, schematically, can we be in a position to have numbers on the side? Uh, and B, like, when push comes to shove, can we make that tackle? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, going back to what I was talking about, that concerns me. Because, I mean, that's kind of the thing that, that's what Texas does. And I don't think that's a particularly, like, that's just been really hard for us to do the last few years. So, and until I see us defend that effectively, it's going to concern me to a certain extent. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I agree. Yeah, I guess we should have said Buki then. See how yeah. he builds off of, I mean, it's South Dakota, but see how he builds off of a good game there. Right. Big Twelve. See if he that's can... Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Week, Buki Radley Hiles. Yeah, let's see if let's see if he can keep that ball rolling. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope so. You've seen. We've seen now. He was finally able to capitalize on on it last week, but he's got a bit of a nose for those like quick screens. Yeah. Um, and he's. Oh, it'd be afraid. great if he could he get is, another pick on one of those. Not afraid to jump them. Uh, no. Which is great because if you jump one of those successfully, you basically just got six points for free. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's really interesting. I'm really interested to see Delarian Turner yell, right? Who, you know, yeah. my suspicion is he's going to be playing pretty close to the line of scrimmage most of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and he's, he's got to like, play better. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, two, those are two guys in the secondary. Like, obviously every corner is going to have to make a tackle at some point and we'll, we'll see. We'll just, we'll live or we'll live and die with how that goes. But yeah, those, those guys, um, you know, nickel strong safety, the versatile, uh, the multi-purpose guys in the secondary are going to need to be able to do a few different things successfully. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So I guess let's jump into, to some score predictions. I'll go. Sure. I'll go first. I know I said that if we don't score sixty, it's a travesty. I think the final score is fifty-nine to twenty-one. So travesty is what you're a travesty. <laughs> Sirens ring. Ring the alarms in Norman. This defense. This offense might fall to second in S and P plus. Okay, Ryan. Um, oh God, I really do think that we could score sixty. I don't know. This is score predictions against bad teams. I find very difficult because I think one of the because one of the biggest questions is okay, when does this team let off the gas? Um, I really think that this. I mean, like I said, like S and P plus favors us by like twenty five, and I think it even that is like there's a degree to which even that is not quite going to be accurate. Um, I think it could be worse than that. I really think that this game could end up like. Oh, I'm swinging for the fences and saying like 63-17. Like a really bad one. That would be... That's the end of the Chip Kelly era if it's 63-17. That would be awesome. That would be great. Hey, I mean, oh, you beat Texas, what, 63-14, and Mac had another year in him. Yep. Um, all right, I'm going to go with OU 38-17. All right. Um, I just think it's going to be a... I think it's going to take the offense a little bit to get going. I think the defense will play pretty well. Um, but I think the offense will be a little slower. I think it might just, it's just the best talent we've seen so far this year. And 
you know, I don't think, you know, we don't have Kyler Murray as our quarterback now. I mean, and I eventually we're going to see that right. have an effect. And, you know, maybe this week is that is that week. So, um, you know, 38-17, still a decent performance. But I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of I'm probably going to have a lot. I would have a lot to complain about if they come back 38-17 because I'm sure there would be many uh, conclusions jumped to if that were the case. Right. Um, you know, what's what's wrong with the offense? Like, so I'm right. that's what I'm going with. So Even though prepare that's for a, a yeah, I mean, that's still my, my 59 is probably a little too, too aggressive because, you know, I forgot one. I forgot we only scored 49 against Houston. The the numbers currently look decent for UCLA on defense. I mean, yeah. mostly probably because they played San Diego State. Um, but and then you also have to factor in. You know, last year when Kyler would take off, you know, he's getting out of the pocket and then getting out of bounds and stopping the clock. Jalen's going up the middle a lot, so I haven't seen any pace stats. I would guess our pace is even slower than last year. Um, pretty much my score prediction was just that I don't think the offense will face any resistance, and I think our final score will simply be determined by, like, the number of possessions that we allow ourselves to have. I agree with Sam on that, and I also agree that, like, like our score could be lower than it could be just because we decide that we're going just because we decide now nah, we'll run between the tackles. Um, because like, I don't know, it's, it, it's the sort of thing where this offense, if they really wanted to, could maybe score. Oh God, I don't even know how much just by focusing on like, you know, getting things to the outside. Um, because UCLA is really not very good on the outside. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's, I'll, this, I'm going to change mine to 51, 51, 21. And that's gonna, still I'm aggressive gonna, because that's covering the spread by a full touchdown. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang that at 63, 17. I like, I like the boldness. Bananas. I'm not as confident right. enough as you. So right. I respect it. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that we're just not going to be perfect and as i said earlier i think that it is really important for this offense to be like perfect i guess is the way to say it they just they don't have the margin for error that previous offenses had because i don't think they had the ability to just you know they, yeah, oh it's, it's third not and 12 make up yeah mistakes right yeah kyler they isn't gonna to be, be yeah, they need to be on time like there were literally times last year where Kyler would, you know, we would drop the snap and Kyler was able to pick it up and throw a pass to complete on third down. Like it, we just had a huge margin for error offensively that I just don't think we have this year. And so we have to avoid penalties. We have to avoid a lot of things that, um, you know, could, you know, it's the first road game of the year. We might be a little sloppy having some penalties and maybe even some, you know, we haven't really seen any drop problems so far. You know, maybe we see a couple drops or something that kind of stall drives. Um, but anyways. I also think that with the offense this year, you know, it might not have that huge playability like Kyler or Baker just bail you out like that. But I feel like the way Jalen plays and the way Lincoln is calling plays with Jalen, the risk is also mitigated. So I don't think we'll, especially in this game, I don't think we'll ever need that kind of bailout situation. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Against Texas, I might be saying a different different story, but 
I'm not worried yeah, this we'll, week. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've disagreed with anything said. Um, I will say and it, uh, something we haven't really talked about yet, and I don't really think there's a, a tremendous effect on the game itself, but uh, going to be basically the furthest possible home game maybe in the history of college football um, in terms of who is in that stadium. Right. Yeah, it if it I think OU fans they don't normally travel like amazingly. Um, but I do not expect to see very many UCLA fans there. Right. I just seen that they were they were they were giving away tickets for this game yeah. just straight yeah. actually you can come for free. Even Michigan made you buy a Coke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you see the great giving tickets away? Um, the great yeah. thing from Banner Society ranking the five fans that were sitting in the end zone section of the UCLA game. Right. Now I think I think there are enough OU fans like in California. Um, you know, there's 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 a surprising number of ties between like especially inland California and Oklahoma. Um, a lot of these things go back to the Depression and the Dust Bowl. Um, but like there, no, there's like a, there's like. OU has a pretty decent following, particularly in inland California, and like three tickets to the Rose Bowl is not a hard sell. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like I know I mean, I know of several OU fans going from Oklahoma. So like obviously it's a it's a destination that people want to hit up. Like, you know, you don't get the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl just every year. And so it's you know, it's not going to be a typical Rose Bowl right, experience. Because sometimes the playoffs. It's been there. a it's been a while for us. We haven't been there since been, what, like the been. national championship. We were it's, there. I don't. Twenty seventeen. No, I don't think that that, that doesn't sound what right. What are you to talking me. about? Doesn't sound <laughs> remember, like anything factual to I me. I don't remember a game. <laughs> I, I remember the twenty the two thousand two Rose Bowl. Do you remember that? Yep, that was a good one. Yeah, that was I think that might have been the last time we were there. I think that's the last time OU was in the Rose Bowl. So, um, really super looking forward right. to well, Alex, the, all the... Alex, that in all your time at marching band, you never got to march in the Rose Parade. <laughs> I know. a real feather in your cap. I know. It's, it's unfortunate that I was never able to do that. Never got to see that beautiful stadium and uh, have my heart ripped out. Yeah, it's, it's super, great that that never happened. All the, the great clips we'll get to see from the last time we were in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. They're going to be ESPN is going to be heavy on those. I'm sure of it. Right. Yep. You think that? Yeah. When we beat Jason Guess's ass in Washington State. Yeah, that was awesome. Right. Remember when OU basketball and OU football recorded back-to-back losses inside Energy Stadium? I do. I do. I don't know why I brought that up. I think I like to suffer. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. Oh my God. That basketball game. That's one I would like to forget as well. Right. Uh, that one. What a miserable experience that was. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Well, is there anything else we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about college football at all? Washington lost. LOL at the Pac-12. At like three in the morning Central Time. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about USC while we're in the Pac-12. While we're in oh, Los please. Angeles, let's talk about USC. What's going on there? Are they? So, are they good? Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, I've noticed how ridiculous, you know, 
national sports media, like college football guys, they're really big on the uh, overreacting thing. You know, oh, it's just, yeah. it's just, and like everybody does it, but I feel like college football writers are maybe the worst about it in terms of just, you know, oh shit, Keaton Slovis played well against Stanford. We have no idea how good Stanford is, but we can just assume that Keaton Slovis is great now. And you see it, USC finally found their quarterback and they're going to just kill everybody. Um, yeah, Stanford could be a dumpster fire. We don't know. Like they probably aren't. They're probably just like a mediocre team, but right. they could just be a bad football team. Okay. You know how many? This was Stanford versus USC. Do you know how many rushing yards were recorded in this game? Total. Uh, I do not. It's uh, sixty-nine. Oh, nice. Nice. Stanford rushed for forty-four yards. Yeah, that's been one wow, of the fire, things. David Shaw. <laughs> Wait, USC rushed for 25 yards. Hold on. I am seeing different numbers. Yeah, I am also seeing different numbers. Hang on. Oh, no, wait. Never mind. Those are the longs. Okay, that's oh. much better. That's much better. Oh, my okay. God. Uh, it's not that much better. Stanford rushed for 98 yards. And on USC 30 rushed carries. For, uh, rushed for 115 yards on 28 yeah. carries. Yeah, not great. Um, yeah. I think that it's entirely possible that Stanford's line is dookie. Well, that's been a thing like the last couple of years. They have been bad at running the ball, and, and that's what they were built on. And now right. their first round tackle has a season ending knee injury. So, right. right. Cam Scarlett yeah, uh, had 17 carries for 82 yards. Yep. Uh, not great. Um, yeah, it's. He, like, he should be better than that. I've seen him play better than that. Right. Um, and then obviously, Davis Mills isn't KJ Costello, and KJ Costello isn't even good. Right. Well, and yeah, but like I, I heard, I literally heard a, a college football guy. I was listening to this podcast and he was like all in on USC all of a sudden. He was like, yeah, they're going to go 10 and two. They might even have a chance to win the Pac-12 and make the playoffs. And I'm like, what the fuck are you Let's talking relax. about, dude? Let's relax. You watch them play one game against Stanford at home after almost losing to Fresno State the week before. Like. You need to chill the fuck out and watch them play a little bit more before you jump to those massive changing predictions. Like, that's insane to me. Right. Um, and, like, what, what actually happened was that Stanford collapsed in the second half and scored yeah. no points and gave up 21 points. Right. Yeah, Stanford looked horrendous against Northwestern. Like, we have not seen Stanford play well so far this year. So that's a pretty big you – and know, we'll learn a little bit this week when they play UCF. But, like – we cannot yeah. assume that Stanford is even a bowl team at this point. Right. Stanford rushed for 132 yards against Northwestern. Yeah. Um, like, this is a bad, this isn't a very good Stanford team. And it breaks my heart to say it because I love David Shaw. Uh, and yeah. I hate to see others fail him. Um, right. Because it can't be his fault. It's definitely, he's doing everything right. He's literally never wrong. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about uh, Washington a little bit. I mean, they lost at 3 a.m. or maybe even 3.30, but I felt like all year that they were the Pac-12's actual hope for making the playoff because there's no way in hell Utah's going to actually make yeah, the playoff. Yeah, that's, that's what like I always thought. Utah would be my, would have been, was my pick to win the Pac-12, but they're not making the playoff. And so like Washington, who I thought Utah 
and maybe even Oregon were better than, like, was probably yeah. their best. If they somehow pulled it off against those teams, like, they were the only chance. Yeah, it's entirely possible that Jacob Eason isn't actually very good. Um, and I know Cal's defense is good. Like, there's they are just a good defensive team, so maybe that has something to do with it. But, yeah, 18 of 30, 162 yards and an interception. It's not very good from Jacob Eason, so... Uh, we'll see if Chris Peterson can get that turned around. Um, can we? We need to talk about Tennessee because. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! <laughs> what a shit show! And I love it so much. It, it couldn't happen to a better, a better coach. Oh my god! <laughs> Guy, I just I cannot believe that he went up on a podium and compared his own team. To the sinking Titanic. Yep. Like, what a psychopath. Yep. That's why did you do that? Wild. Yeah. Now the guy is, he's going to get fired. He, they might have to give him another year, though, because his buyout is insane. So, like, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, if they lose, I mean, shit, if they were to lose to Chattanooga, which I don't think we can rule out, um, it's... Yeah, and the have you seen their schedule? Um, it's don't look at really it. hard. Don't look at it. Let me let me let me explain to you what they have coming okay. up. So they have Chattanooga this weekend. They're probably going to win. Like that's probably a win for them. Yeah, but it would be hilarious. Right. And then zero and twelve is certainly in the picture if if they lose that game. Yeah. Um. Then they go to Florida. No. They're going to lose. They're going to lose bad at Florida. They then, don't beat good Florida teams. No. Then uh, yeah. they play yeah. Georgia at home. That's not great. Georgia no, might be the best that. team in the country. Yeah, they're going to lose that. Yeah. Then they play Mississippi State, who has looked good so far. Yeah, they're going to lose that. Yeah, they're going to lose that. And then, oh, they get to go to Alabama after Ooh, that. Got to love that they get to do that every year. I know. It's a good way to celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh man, they get to go to Alabama after that, um, so they're gonna be they're gonna be one and six. It's gonna happen. There's no way they're winning any of those games. I guess that's, and then, that's not Thanksgiving. Huh? That's the third Saturday in no, October. No, no, no. Yeah, third Saturday in October. Right. Then they play South Carolina at home, which we don't know what South Carolina is gonna look like by that point. Yeah, um, I mean, I would pick South Carolina to win. Like, there's yeah. no doubt about it. But I'm gonna hate that game. Yeah. You need to hate watch that game. That'll be that might yeah, be kind of entertaining. That's a good hate watch. They're just lucky that UAB is in a down year because that's a yeah. that's a win. Oh, should be if, a win. If this was 2018 UAB, they're getting their ass kicked. Oh yeah, yeah, they're getting their ass kicked at Kentucky. That's an L, even though Kentucky just lost their quarterback. Yeah. Um, at Missouri, another L. I think actually, I think Missouri is actually pretty good. If I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah. If you look at that that Wyoming I mean, box score, it was I mean you should be in a position game. to lose to Wyoming, but it was place. very fluky. Yeah. Yep. I believe that Kelly Bryant is very good. I do too. Yeah, actually. And then Vandy to end the season, which I think they've lost to Vandy three or four years in a row. So right, they're, not, they're not beating this Vandy team. Which this is, is like probably a, which is like the best 0 2 team in the country. This is probably a two and ten football team. I think they might be able to eke out three and nine or four and eight, but four and eight to me would be like a really successful end to their season. Yeah. Um, 
It's probably a two and ten football team. Yeah. Which just, I mean, in hell, they we know. I know UAB sucks, but if they lose and they're one and seven going in, they might just be completely done, and it might just be over for them, and they might lose that game too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, just fun to talk about. Um, you know, you hate right. to see well, it happening to great, yeah. great programs <laughs> like that, but oof. I, I mean, there's a real chance. I mean, the reason Jeremy Pruitt compared his program to the sinking titanic was because people were jumping ship yeah and that's not a thing you should do to convince people that they shouldn't jump ship right nope you shouldn't do that jeremy um anyways just looking at this weekend like there's not a lot of good games uh, friday is the washington state state houston game i'm very interested in i oh, want to see that'd be awesome if houston could win that game uh, but other than that, there's no ranked opponents playing each other this weekend, so it's a possible blood week. Um, but, I don't know, it also might just be a really boring week. Do you guys have anything that you're looking forward to? Um, El Asico. Well, yeah, El Asico's happening. I'm looking forward to the things that I bet on. Most notably, it doesn't seem like people have figured out that West Virginia is just complete ass oh, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're yeah, only yeah. a touchdown underdog to NC State. And I really don't know that NC State's that good. They've only no, played, no, like, no, no, no. East they're Carolina good. and good. someone else. But, like, they have handled them They've looked aptly. good, though. Yeah, so they've, yeah. they've played two no-names and handled them aptly. So I don't see any reason why they won't just absolutely boat race West Virginia like everybody else has. Yeah. Or I guess like Missouri did and James yeah. Madison hung in there. So but. Have you – have you seen – or go ahead. Okay. Oh no, go ahead. You guys go ahead. I was going to say, have you suggest. have you seen the Oklahoma State line? Yeah, it's been revolving around two touchdowns. That's why I like I like OSU at that. I line. also yes. do. Bill Bill Conley has it right at that fourteen point mark. I I really like OSU in that. Yeah. Tulsa, I, I, think I think that's one you should bet on. By, like, it is not getting boat raced by Michigan State. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a very Michigan State game. Like right. Michigan State's not capable of scoring more than twenty eight against anybody, so they right. they got their They're ass not kicked. Not really interested in doing so. No, they'd much no. rather uh, snap the ball out of their own end zone uh, right. to set up a more favorable punt. Also, uh, Mississippi State and Kansas State is only like at a touchdown. Yeah, that's like a Mississippi weird State's one. favored by a touchdown, which Tommy Stevens's health is like a, kind of up in question right now. But even yeah. still, like I still don't think Kansas State is good. Like all they did no. was beat a horrible Bowling Green team that's like bottom five in the country. And like Mississippi State has looked good even without Tommy Stevens. Their running back has been incredible. Like Pro Football Focus has the, him in their top ten for the Heisman right now. Like he's been that good. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah, I got or two go games I'm kind of interested in bringing up here. Uh, TCU at Purdue. Um. Just, yeah, I, think, I I haven't actually seen anything TCU football has done. They're bad, right? They only played one game so far. They had a bye week in week two, and their one game was to Arkansas Pine Bluff, okay. who's like a bad FCS team. So we still really don't know. Okay, uh, we'll just pencil them in as bad and probably going to lose to Purdue. Yeah, so they were they started out. It's at Purdue. Rondale Moore has been. As advertised so far this year, give me uh, give me the give me the Horn Frogs. 
Yeah, it was. They were a one point underdog, and I guess Purdue's quarterback is hurt, and also he wasn't very good in the first place. But it is flipped now, and TCU is favored by two and a half. Yeah, not not a game I would bet on. Should have points. Okay. Oh, I would never bet on bet on a game with that sort of spread in the first place. But yeah, not a game I would bet on. But it, I I think TCU wins. I think they win the game. It's at TCU. No, it's at Purdue. At Purdue. Okay. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Let's talk. um, Which where was that other game I had focused in on? Oh yeah, Penn State Pitt. Penn State. Pitt, tell me. About oh, I think that's going to be a bloodbath. I think Penn State's good. I think Penn State wins that easily. Interesting. I, hey, do you guys remember what my playoff picks were on this podcast? I can't remember if I went bold on this podcast. I don't think I did, but yeah, I really like. I really like Penn State. I have a, a bet on them to win the Big Ten. Is pretty good value. They were like. They were behind Michigan State and Nebraska in Big Ten odds to start the year. And I was like, that's yeah. just absurd. Like, I think yeah, they've right looked there. good so far. They're ahead of Michigan right now for sure. And I think yeah. they're personally, I think they're right there with Ohio, with Ohio State. State. Yeah, yeah, I've been impressed with Ohio State too, though. Yeah. They've been really good. Yeah, Justin Fields turns out pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah. Who would have Who would have thought? I mean, people people forgot that. And I think it was can't remember if it was Banner Society, so if Jason Kirk tweeted it or retweeted it, but Justin Fields was being talked about, you know, in the same breath as Trevor Lawrence while they were being recruited. I and mean like, Trevor Lawrence was anointed as a god before he even started. Right. We, Justin Fields definitely looks better than Trevor Lawrence at this point in the season, right? Yeah, I mean now, so I, far, I, sort of, I think I sort Trevor think Lawrence that, is better though. Right. I sort of think that Clemson in general just sort of phones it in the regular season. Yeah, um, so. they're kind of the they're kind of like the Warriors in that like they know like all they need to worry about is that playoff. So that yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so yeah, I remember a podcast that we did that we talked about that very thing with Justin Fields and like because there was a a hot minute where we thought he might be an OU quarterback. And we all got very excited, and that was one of the things that we brought up. So, um, yeah, we we support Justin Fields on this podcast, even Absolutely. though he plays for Ohio State. Um, I am still – I'm probably going to continue to not watch a second of Ohio State football so I can, like, be in denial about the fact that they're good. Right. Um, but Right. Yeah. Well, it's By weird way, not watching Ohio State because it's like – you don't watch them, and they're like, oh, they're up 28 nothing in the second quarter. Cool. And then you're like, okay, well, now I guess the other team's back in it now. Like, what's happening over there? Mm-hmm. And so I think I see highlights of Justin Fields. And I'm like, yep, he's good. Yeah. Um, well, you want to talk about a team that's not going to be tested for a while. Like, I mean, I guess maybe at Nebraska, but uh, have we? Yeah, Nebraska's got some issues. So, um, yeah, I think Ohio State might waltz because – I think I'm ready to give up on my Michigan yes. playoff pick. Yes. It took two weeks. And I know, like, I was honestly kind of, like, their defense wasn't horrendous against Mich- Army. Like, they got armied. Like, there's no doubt about it. No, but their offense, armed, but also, their offense yeah. was awful in that game. Yeah. Hey, and uh, I don't think that, uh, that you can overcome an offense that bad 
and and make a playoff when you have to beat a team like Ohio State. Like I Dude, we just, just don't think it's possible. That Shea Patterson was like gonna be a great gunslinger because he was recruited by Hugh Freeze. Like Yeah. Well and he played okay, I guess, as a freshman. I don't know. Like yeah, he's he's obviously been overhyped and he's not very good. Like that's just the reality. And I'm ready to admit it. I was I think I was wrong. Um I would like to revise my playoff pick, and I know that's like not a thing, but I think Ohio State's going to make the playoff. Right. I th- yeah. Hot take. I th- I think that's entirely possible. Um, obviously, it, we're in this situation because it's early in the season, and nothing weird has happened yet. <laughs> okay, plenty of weird things have happened yet, but not like the contenders are all still in place. So it's like there's it feels like there's like five teams that are going to waltz into the playoff. Um. And it's we're like right now. Honestly, the thing it feels most like is we're going to be in a situation where we're really going to have to ask ourselves if we like one lost Georgia more than undefeated OU or Ohio State. Right. Oh, it'll be a conversation. I I just you can't do it. Like if you do it, then we just need to not play football games at that point. So right, right. Um, um, is Wisconsin good? Ooh. I don't know yet. They have given up zero points. Yeah. I think South Florida, an South Florida is a just train complete wreck. train wreck. Yeah, I I don't think that we know yet about yet. Wisconsin. I, I think their defense is probably fine because anytime you shut really anybody out, it's pretty impressive. Right. Um, but I I think their offense is probably still going to be one of those deals where against the elite teams they're going to struggle. Right. Um, you want to hear some numbers Central Michigan put up against Wisconsin? Sure. These are my new favorite thing in the whole world is just unspeakably bad quarterback numbers. Um, yeah, the three guys throw passes for Central Michigan. Uh, Quentin Dormady. Um, Shouts to Quentin Dormady, formerly of Tennessee. Quentin Dormady <laughs> went five of 12 for 36 yards and a pick. Oof. 3.8 QBR. I like it. David Moore was 3 of 11 for a yard. <laughs> he averaged... That's oh incredible. Oh my god, he averaged point, less than point one yards per attempt. That's and then great. Tommy Lazaro was 1 of 1 for 6 yards. They had a guy go yep. 1 of 1 for 6 yards. Yep. Um, and then so, also did nothing. That makes me, makes me think of the Rutgers uh, box score from week 2. Yeah. They they played Iowa, lost thirty to nothing. They've had a different starter at quarterback this year. A guy, McLean Carter, who Oh, Texas Texas Tech transfer. Oh, is he? Okay. So yeah, he, he has been their starter. Um they won their first game against UMass, scoring forty eight points, which was which was incredible. Um, but then McLean Carter did so poorly that they came out uh or he did so poorly at the beginning against Iowa that they brought Artur Sitkowski back, who was their true freshman starter last year, that was legitimately like the worst college best, the, the worst quarterback in college football ever. He had under 50% completion percentage, threw for 1,200 yards, four touchdowns, and 18 interceptions. And this is a guy, like, you think, oh, he probably like got benched or something, but like, I'm. I'm very confident he started like all of their games last year, and those were his stats. That's incredible. And they brought him back into this game because 
McLean Carter. McLean so Carter bad. was that bad. Right. That's incredible. Um, yeah. They. Well, I. I just have. To, let me pull the stats back up for that game because they had. <laughs> it's just remarkable. How many? How few passing yards they had? They had twenty-seven attempts and had forty-seven yards. That's awesome. Dude. Forty-seven passing yards. El Asico could be a defensive battle. I'm actually kind of excited for El Asico. I think I it will low key be a good game. I do too. I think um, Brock Brock Purdy's gonna come out and have a great great performance. I uh, um that Iowa State Northern Iowa game was so weird. Um, yeah. It was. It was very weird. It was pretty fluky. Like Iowa State was better. Um oh, but absolutely. they Probably should have lost the game too. Yeah, so. well, it was just—it was so weird to see Will McIlvain for uh, Northern Iowa, especially in those overtimes, just like be so thoroughly overmatched by the Iowa State defense, and then like basically accidentally make a play. Right. Yeah, it was very strange. Um. Okay, I think. I mean, that's really. I think we've gone long enough. Kind of good to get back on to our roots of ridiculously long podcasts. Um, Any last thoughts before we call it quits? Nope, I'm good. Um, Jonathan Taylor is not going to win the Heisman. He only had 100 yards against Central Michigan. Scrub. Um, Which I I honestly don't know if they were just resting him or what. It doesn't really look like they spread the carries out that much. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. Weird to see people talk about him as a Heisman contender because I really don't think that was ever going to be a thing. Um, I guess I, I want to leave it with one thought. Um, fuck Texas A&M. They got their fucking ass beat in Clemson. Um, <laughs> they sh- yeah, that was that last touchdown was fake. They scored with under a minute to go. They got their fucking I'm ass sure beat like after with talking six shit. seconds to go. Yeah, yeah. Right. That they was, got their yeah. ass beat after talking shit all week. Like I can't believe they actually thought that that was a good idea. Like Clemson's just a different class of program and A&M needs to get the fuck out of here with their, right. yeah, they're, they're Anyways, Texas A&M. They're yeah. always going to be Texas A&M. They also like, this was a good, this was a good setup for like, Oh man, they're not going to have a fun season. Yep. Oh, like, their, their schedule sucks. Their schedule's like, awful. And like, yeah, they were overmatched. So they're going to keep being overmatched in these games. Yep. All right. I hate to see it. Yeah. Do you? Do you? Oh. Actually, that's that's one I'll just say. I love seeing it. <laughs> Watching AM get their ass kicked is, is one of my favorite things to do in college football. All right. Uh, and on that note, thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy, at RW Maxi, and at Not That Sam Davis. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, leave a review or share it with a friend. Uh, that's really the only way more people find about this thing you like, uh, which I think we're all proud is a weird word to say about our contributions here. I do think we're probably, I don't feel terribly wrong about saying that we're the most consistently correct OU football podcast on the market. That's I mean, cool. I'm, I'm embarrassed at my, phantom 30 to 24 box score that hasn't even <laughs> happened to, for anyone this entire season. So other than uh, that, a great hit rate. Right. I mean, there's, there's the unofficial 40, right? But like, other than that, like what's really our competition here? This is a pretty vacant space. 
and I feel like, A, we've been doing this for five years, and I think we've gotten pretty good at it. Not recording quality, obviously, uh, no. but just in terms of insight uh, and, you know, content. I think that this is a pretty good program, and if you agree, you should let somebody know about it, and we'll see you guys next week.